0: a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me as always, the Senator Gray Shade to my Commander Strom, it's John Campbell.
1: (laughs) Hello, everybody. Oh, man, we're back and it's still the 70s and ooh, it's funky, funky fun sci-fi. Is
0: this... Those are the words you're going to use to describe the beginning of our first big story arc. Funky fun? I, think, I agree, John. I was going to say <laughs> this is pretty I think funky is pretty
1: right for the story arc. <laughs> it is. Funky. I don't disagree. Yeah, the, 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 there's no doubt. Tis the 70s reading this.
0: <laughs> uh, but on the on the fashion alone, okay. I can have no disagreements with you. Yeah. Some of the capes and collars going oh. on in this book are off the rails.
1: Something I love about Star Wars in general is, even to this day, there's still you're like, oh, this was this started in the seventies, you know. There's still <laughs> elements of Star Wars that are just that they just pull this It's intrinsic to the DNA, right? Like it's just it is the capes and collars and stuff that still is a part of it.
0: Well, we're, we're slowly getting on an escape vector out of the 70s, though, because, yes, we are covering issue number 18 today of the f- Marvel Star Wars comic book from 1977, or at least this started in 1977. Yeah. Uh, issue number 18, which was originally published December 1st, 1978. Uh, so we're slowly creeping towards the end of the 70s here. Um, we've and got a lot of the same... I was going to say,
1: ever creeping towards 1980, which is also when we get The Empire Strikes Back...
0: This is true, and we'll be covering that coverage in the comics as well. Yeah. Uh, We've got a lot of the same creatives as we've had before. We have Archie Goodwin on writing. We've got Carmine Infantino on uh, on pencils. We've got Gene Day now on inks. Uh, We've got Janice Cohen on colors and Rick Parker as the letterer uh, with a certain Mr. Shooter lurking in the background. Like the emperor.
1: He just kind of comes up over like a partition in the office like, you should do this. (laughs) always <laughs> back
0: down. I actually don't know where Jim Shooter's from. I want to assign him like a weird Jersey accent, but I don't know if that's I where he
1: is. Interviews with him, he does not. I think he has a pretty flat, standard American accent. He's a, he's an interesting looking guy. Um, I will say, uh, he's yeah, on- he's got
0: these weird bulbous frog eyes and a black hood, and he only <laughs> appears as a projected head.
1: I will say he's uh he's from Pittsburgh, so you know, mm. East Coast, but not. This kind of East Coast. You know? Mm-hmm. Um uh, I will say Yeah, he's he's a he's very serious. as anytime I see him interviewed, he's always just kind of talking like this. Um he's all over um if you watch uh if, if people are fans of the Netflix show, The Toys That Made Us, because Marvel mm-hmm. had so many of those licenses for those eighties toys. He was editor at that time, so he is frequently in those, and that's where I've seen him the most. And I think I'm always struck by how boring he is, because obviously the stories of him are he's this crazy guy who came in here with these insane ideas, and then you're like, oh, he's just kind of like a corporate suit. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I don't quite feel his fingertips on this book as much as I do in books that we would... Uh, later read in the 80s i'm looking at you secret wars 2 well um, i mean
1: eventually you get to when he's i mean i believe he was the uh chief writer on that right uh
0: yes exactly we have the that just, beyonder as self insert
1: i think uh <laughs> i think it's very interesting about him uh i'm welcome to shooter cast uh no uh, but i was just gonna say i think it's key that he's consulting editor i think he he it's not mm. the, the real early 80s that he really um like makes his presence known. Dazzler was his baby. Mm-hmm. That's really well. The I mean, Jim Shooter. Thing.
0: I've long said this. This show is not only covering the Star Wars comics of yesteryear; it is that, but it is also, I think, an interesting chart of the history of modern-day comic books, oh. right? Because starting in the late '70s is when we really start to think of comic books as their like modern era. We can like divvy it up into ages as like Bronze Age, but like modern comic book storytelling in terms of Marvel and DC and a lot of those other uh, books, and later we'll get to the Dark Horse stuff, really starts to cement itself in the late '70s. So charting that is interesting.
1: Well, and I think something we'll see with shooter. I'm I'm just kind of skimming his stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of shooter stuff was once he does Secret Wars, that gives him like, well, I know how this is done.
0: Mm-hmm. And Secret Wars is
1: 83. Yeah, yeah, it's somewhere. Eh, where is that? Somewhere in that range. Yeah. So we're a few years out from that. But it was sort of like once he did that, all of a sudden, then it was just like, um, I'm the guy who did Secret Wars. So,
0: yeah. And that was the toy commercial, right? Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. That, that's, that's the thing about it though, apparently. with
0: you know, and for, for better, uh, for better or worse,
1: uh, yeah, 82, um, mm. for better or worse, uh, he did change comic books. He created the crossover event basically. And, uh, <laughs>
0: You know. I was just playing uh, Marvel Midnight Suns the other day, and eventually you recruit Spider Man as one of the heroes you can play as, and he's trying to explain the Venom symbiote. Mm-hmm. And that game does the weird, like condensed comic book time thing. So like, there's a one sentence description of Secret World, War uh, Secret Wars, and like how Spider Man got the symbiote suit. And it's like, yeah, and I went to Battle World, and it was a whole thing, and I came back with an alien suit. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> but having read both Secret Wars, that's fine. To just leave it at that?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of cool
1: stuff in there, but there's also just a lot of other stuff.
0: Now, speaking of... I think that's a stuff, perfect description of the book we're reading today. lots of
1: stuff. I will say, as we enter this arc, uh, I, I am fascinated to see this feels like the most ambition we've seen from this comic so far in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, we are going to try to actually add to the universe?
0: I think it feels like that. I think it also feels like... They're actually analyzing the toys they have to play with in terms of storytelling, yep. as opposed to making everything up whole cloth. Right. Like, okay, we can have our planet of weird water world cargo cults and space pirates, and that seems pretty much like, okay, that could have been an episode of Flash Gordon. This storyline, or at least the the first parts of it we're already read up with, do feel like something wholly within Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right,
1: exactly. That's that's that that is true. It's just, it's it almost makes it weirder, right? Because you're like, oh, these things are Star Wars things that also just don't get picked up on.
0: They do and they don't, and we'll get into it. But like the the story that develops here feels like a proto version of the whole Lando storyline in Empire Strikes Back, right?
1: So very much so. I couldn't, you know, couldn't help but feel that with sort of them taking refuge somewhere and, and it not being all it seems
0: yeah exactly um, but speaking of the Empire Striking Back you know what did they what do they have to do to, to strike back John well they have to strike first so let's get to this cover
1: here it is this is it the, as it promises Star Wars the Empire Strikes so this, yeah, we we caught up the really innovative stuff George Lucas there because he started with the second strike when he made the movie. <laughs> this is going back in some ways. This is the prequel. Yes, the Empire Strikes, uh, and uh, boy, things look bad here because that appears to be a unconscious
0: or dead Luke Skywalker. I want to focus on this for a moment and I will bring it up later in the book as well. Yeah, There is no way in hell that 3PO can lift a no. full-sized human body. No.
1: You never see 3PO ever display any level of strength. And I don't even, I mean even base human levels of strength.
0: Right. Any- I, I would love to see 3PO try to hold open a door on a windy
1: day. That's, yeah.
0: <laughs> He's not
1: built for that. Like, that's not yeah. not all robots have inhuman strength. 3PO so I also, yeah, opening this uh, and looking at this cover, I was struck by, that's nuts to see.
0: <laughs> there was recently, uh, as of the recording of this, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 just came out a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And there was reporting about a scene in which Nebula is carrying a uh, uh, an unconscious... Peter Quill yeah. and what they did is they built a full-sized replica of Chris Pratt and it only weighed like 30 something pounds yeah,
1: 35 pounds but it was all animatronic and it could breathe
0: and move like it is creepy yeah so that was my first thought when I saw this cover was just like that's just a Luke Skywalker real doll that yeah he's carrying
1: there so interesting and look at these man these stormtroopers have had not had much to do obviously because these guns are shined and polished
0: man there's a term in the clone wars that the clone troopers give their new untested troopers and that is shinies
1: yeah that's very much cuz they look at the look at the glimmer on these guns
0: yeah there's a, there's a little bit of jj abrams uh like lens flares there's going a on lens here there are
1: going on for sure man uh yeah <laughs>
0: But yeah, one of the stormtroopers is saying, there's the wounded l- rebel spy. Vaporize him and the droids. Oh, no. Also, bold of them to assume the gender of a droid. But anyway.
1: That's yes. Well, th- I mean, that that is but the scratching the surface of all the weird shit about droids in Star Wars. That's fair. That yes, It's <laughs> sometimes better not to put too much thought to or else you'll realize how monstrous every character in Star Wars is.
0: <laughs> it's true yeah that's like the one big glaring thing in star wars just yeah like if you think too hard about the droids everyone's terrible
1: right because you're like wait is, it, is this a slave race kind
0: of kinda. it's a slave race uh right <laughs> so, uh but we got primarily we have inventino back as our primary penciler who we've not had for the last couple of issues yeah and it's and he is back with a vengeance, baby. Yeah, uh, we talk about weird faces and how angular they are. We talk about how weird people are holding guns. We'll be pointing out a lot of that at this issue.
1: Yes, Abs Oh, there's a, there's so much weird
0: holding of guns in this.
1: Um,
0: If we get into the the first page here, yes, the Empire Strikes. Uh, We've got our list of people on the credits there, but we've also got a rainbow exhaust of the Millennium Falcon. I actually love the art in this page.
1: But it's the very 70s thing, man. This looks like the poster that was on a kid's bedroom in the 70s, man, right? It's total psychedelic Star Wars.
0: This is a t-shirt that I want.
1: (laughs) Definitely, yeah. And... uh, Lots of, uh, I just, I love, oh, a very
0: comic book. Hyperspace! (laughs) I think Archie Goodwin is really settling into his voice as a narrator at this point. We talked uh, last issue about Claremont, right? And how he has influenced the comic book industry at this time in terms of how popular he is and how he writes and how not everyone can really be on his level.
1: We've talked about <laughs> Roy Thomas's attempts to be Claremont and they just don't mm-hmm. the same way. You know, it is that's always the thing with him, right? Is it is it didn't feel like obviously he wasn't trying to be Claremont, he just was Claremont. So there isn't the same like, um, what are you doing, man? You're trying to show off here. I feel like Art right. Goodwin really strikes a nice balance of he's descriptive. There's a little bit more than just base narration, but he never overindulges or is trying to show off with uh, big words and things like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he is doing uh, a heavy enough touch that he's making his voice known in a way that like, some writers uh, would maybe go a little too far. Cough, Roy Thomas, cough. Um, but yeah. he knows when to hold back because he knows his his strengths and his weaknesses. Or at least he's get, he's settling into I will that. say the
1: book re- just reads moment to moment so much better under his scripts than Ray Thomas's like mm-hmm. it just in general it, it we've talked about it, it feels more like Star Wars but it also just moves along better I, 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 Carmine Infantino is an absolute legend but I will say his art is where the book kind of stays weird because the just basic well, plot of this
0: pretty good if not remarkable Star Wars Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get into it because yeah We come in with these captions All aboard the smuggling ship are tired A multitude of adventures lie behind them Each has taken its toll It's a time of great vulnerability And suddenly we have 3PO shouting Princess Leia, Captain Solo Come quickly, something has happened to Master Luke And that's a good first page It encourages you to turn the page Look at what's coming next
1: It's always the the great Brian K. Vaughn who said The end of every page should make the reader Need to go to the next page
0: Absolutely. Uh, and go to the next page we will and write into Infantino's art that you have a problem with.
1: I do. I, and I have more of a problem with it seeing other artists do it because we've had some villains and stuff like that. And then back to it, you just realize it's it's very harsh. <clears throat> and it's very... Mm-hmm. Infantino, you know, was a, a artist for a long time in comics. And I will say, I, I do feel like this is it's key not just with his because you go back to like his silver age stuff it, it's not this harsh um obviously but this is very much post neil adams which i think is very key we're we're we're, in, we're right in the middle of neil adams is redefined and that's what this feels like to me where it's like no no no
0: more detail um for listeners and viewers who maybe don't have the same level of comic history as uh, Neil Adams at this time, um, was a prolific, I, I think it's not too hard to say. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it, prolific is, is, yeah, for sure. But I mean, just in general, like he, when he comes on the scene, it's like a bomb goes off. And it's, it's, it, you can look at the sort of the pre and post Neil Adams and comic book art, right? It's like, He was the first guy to really go at like, no, this is, I'm going to try to be more realistic. I'm going to try to be more, it's still stylized, you know, I mean, obviously it's gotten even more so. But he really leaned into shadows and harsh lines and, you know, uh, capturing the contours of a face and stuff like that.
0: Sure. And before that, you had your Jack Kirby's that was definitely leaning on more of a cartoonist's style, right?
1: Right. Yeah, that's sort of the thing. But I think what's interesting is here... Is this is Infantino, who is kind of more of a Silver Age, you know? Uh, he did a lot of like Silver Age DC stuff, like Flash and things like that. A lot of the iconic Flash imagery you've seen around is is Infantino stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the two Flashes racing to save the world, I things was like that.
0: Gonna say yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but uh, but this feels like Infantino going like, "Ooh, let me get modern." And so I think what I'm reacting to is a guy who this is not his natural. Inclination as an artist, maybe.
0: Well, and we can't dismiss the fact that I think a lot of this can be put at the feet of the inker as well. Because I don't know what the, the original... Like line sure. work of this book even looks like without the inks. You look at Chewbacca on this top panel here, and so much of the definition here is done through the inking I and the
1: shading. I have a huge problem with the portrayal of Chewbacca throughout this whole comic, basically
0: because he looks like Sasquatch. Yeah, because
1: Chewbacca is very furry, but specifically
0: did- <laughs> from the Jack Lynx commercial, Sasquatch. <laughs> yes,
1: actually, yes, exactly. Uh, he he's he's very furry, but he's he's so he, he's not furry in this. He's hairy. And that's different, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, mm. they really want to, they're, they're almost like concerned that you won't be uh, uh, aware of that he has fur on him. So they really exaggerate how long the fur is. It's almost like, no, no, he'll just read as like a brown colored guy. We got to make sure we really get the long fur. So you get these long strands. And it, it this feels like a Chewie who's unkempt. And then on top of that, the weird, uh, the coloring of his face and hands that gives him the ape-like sort of things, which is, Mm -hmm. Chewie is, is, is very, is meant to be very dog-like, not ape. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that you're losing a lot of the, you know, Chewie, I love you, but for, uh, you know, the, the cuddliness that's there in Chewie is he's a much harsher looking character in this. He's not as lovable here. Yeah. I always love him.
0: The interesting distinction, especially in the face specifically, because in the Chewbacca face, you never really lose the the fur, right? The right, hair. It, right. it basically covers the whole face, except for the little wet dog nose, like right, you say. Yeah. Whereas this really does the apish thing where they frame the face with bare skin around the eyes and the nose and the mouth. It gives it a very Yeah, more apish sasquatchian look as opposed to chewbacca which is a little bit more dog-like
1: i mean because chewbacca for those who don't know the history of star wars is based on uh uh, uh george lucas's alaskan malamute uh who would sit mm-hmm. in the passenger seat of his car by the way it's dog's name indiana uh <laughs> by the way i mean when you start to learn anything about george lucas's life you're like oh he just took Everything comes from his life. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the he had this big furry dog that would sit in the passenger seat of his car next to him and that was the image of Han and Chewie. So mm-hmm. here it is like this, it, it just makes him, see, it makes him seem more alien and less approachable and I don't like that.
0: Yeah, I think the hands are also another big thing. They're very, uh, if you look at, ape-like. They're very ape-like. They're very like bare, no hair on them. Whereas you look at, uh, Chewbacca just in motion in the movies you almost like can't even tell where his fingers are sometimes right. because there is just like a lot of hair going on there because th- that is the thing you look at pictures of Chewbacca he does have a lot of hair but this makes it look like it is more like individual strands assigned as opposed to like a big hairy he,
1: dude he's got a furry coat you know like, like a yeah. sort of thing as opposed to yeah here like I said he looks unkempt and that's not how Chewbacca looks
0: for those who aren't watching on YouTube, I-, I recommend doing a quick Google search of the uh, like Krampus festivals they do in Eastern Europe, and there are yeah. these big hairy suits that people wear, and they like move in a disturbing way because they've got these long strands of hair uh, built into them, so that they move in like weird, disturbing, floofy ways. And it- this is what the Chewbacca we're lo- dealing with here kind of looks and
1: like. And that's what I'm. I'm. I'm lo- so I'm also looking at just for comparison's sake, because I'm curious about. I'm looking at some of the images of him from the new Han Solo and Chewbacca series it's going now and it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see how it they do the the, there's the the it's it is about the inking a lot of it right which is it is the definition of it's just the fur is more like layers of fur whereas here they're really defining like each strand of it
0: yeah so i guess going forward that is all of our commentary on Chewbacca. And we're going to be dealing with this version of Chewbacca for a while until Infantino is basically off the book. So yeah. just know that, like, take it as wrote that we have problems with how Chewbacca is portrayed I, in a lot of these because issues. Because I
1: have a lot of opinions about Chewbacca, you know?
0: <laughs> I mean, we do. And, like, that's the thing. a key,
1: like, uh, fan favorite, you know, he is such a mascot of Star Wars, right? Like 3PO, Chewie, these are kind of the characters that even if you don't know Star Wars, you're like, oh
0: yeah, that's Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, again, we have to state this is only having the first movie as context. So like a lot of the more lovable moments of Chewbacca have not happened yet. Right,
1: we don't have yet generations like you and I where I had a Chewbacca toy and poster on my wall and have, you know... Chewbacca has been with me my whole life, you know. So
0: we we one of the key scenes I think that really characterizes Chewbacca is in Empire Strikes Back when he's sadly putting 3PO back together, yep. right? Yeah. Um and I think that really does more to the characterization of Chewbacca than anything that was in A New Hope. So right now we're dealing with a big angry wood ape that is also hanging out with Han Solo and Leia.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also just, I mean, the, the, I, w- I don't think there's a lot of focus on portraying him as much more than just big and scary at this point, right? Yeah, in exactly. The writing even. All right, so.
0: and That was our 20-minute diatribe there on you
1: go. Chewbacca. Now welcome to Chewbacca. <laughs> um, so uh, I love Han's uh, hot pink and blue chair. That's an interesting coloring choice.
0: Yeah, we're back to funky uh, 70s coloring backgrounds, which is like, oh, just pick a color and throw it in the background.
1: It really is just like, hey, man, color, color, color. They've
0: uh, got Hulk colors in the background. Uh, it's all greens and purples. Yeah,
1: it's wild. Uh, so, yeah, 3PO is very concerned because I need everybody to come here because Master Luke, as he says in the parlance of droids, has shut down.
0: I thought this was very cute, the idea that, like, for some reason three po can't parse what's happening to Luke so he just resorts to uh what would be the droid equivalent he's shut down I like, like I three po would know if he had died and he he's not yeah. dead
1: yes right uh I also like his use of the term uh but to my photocell receptors not eyes they are photocell receptors
0: I mean he technically doesn't have eyes this' is true
1: yeah uh <laughs> it's just like they but the Uh, And they've laid him out once again on the very 70s pink couch on the (laughs) millennium.
0: Yeah, I I do love the freep-doot from uh, (laughs) R2 here. And there's
1: uh, uh, I will say one thing I think Goodwin really is good at is capturing the bickering banter of 3 P and R2. He's got a lot of that, uh, and he has before, and that is key to the comedy of Star Wars. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, We go to the next page, and yeah, Luke is laid out on the floor. Uh, Leia's like, what the hell happened? Bring the med pack. And they're trying to figure out what's wrong with Luke, and they can't figure it out until R2 uh, comes in and says, hey, he was doing something Jedi stuff, and he asked us to record it. uh, And R2's got it all recorded. So it gives us a a diegetic flashback, which I actually really liked. Yeah, this is interesting, like the idea about like, well, play, play back the tape, R2. Yeah. So like R2 was recording. So when we flash back at the bottom of this page and we get uh all of this, it's from R2's point of view, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh the uh, is on the in the moments. Yeah, the the little droid recording is on the Falcons' Communicators communicator screen is interesting, but yeah, he's basically playing back the tape of what happened from him using R2 as a, a camera. And then mm-hmm. uh can we turn the page and talk about um very interesting because it, it will be his future career when Luke Skywalker turns into the Joker on this first panel.
0: <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I just I do want to address the the helmet on the last page that uh that Luke is training the helmet, helmet. helmet. Movie. No, but it is the helmet from the adaptation of the movie that we saw in the first they six have, issues. They
1: have stuck with this, where it's just like a bucket on his head.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, in the next uh, page, we get to Infantino just ladies. with his crazy eyebrows. And yes, he looks like Jack Nicholson's yeah. the Joker. Yeah,
1: ladies and gentlemen, the one panel guest star, Mr. Jack Nicholson.
0: Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi. Ben. <laughs> I like that. That's the we both went for.
1: Cheap tape and R2. (laughs) Wait till they get a load of me. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And then immediately, though, just the, the, oh, and this is very psychedelic when all of a sudden it's just the colored dots around him.
0: <clears throat> yeah i thought we were about to break out into yellow submarine for a second what well,
1: does have that like 70s variety show feel like this is how he would start his pop song it's like
0: a jedi knight it's not beyond. <laughs> you know luke be a jedi tonight <laughs> it
1: that it seems like it's like ladies and gentlemen mr luke skywalker and then it would pan over to this and he's doing the thing as the
0: music starts and, and Luke being like, thanks, everybody, for being here. I'd like to thank Bert Baccarat on piano. <laughs> we had a lot of fun tonight with our guests,
1: Bert Reynolds and Dom Deluise. <laughs> yeah, Dean Martin in a tuxedo just threw to him on the stage here.
0: uh <laughs> Joking aside, this I do like this stuff because Luke is all in his head because Obi Wan has just died. This is his first moment to like kind of recover since the events of the end of, uh, yeah, A New Hope, and so he's trying to like open himself up to the Force, and something goes wrong. I love this as a hook for the Jedi stuff.
1: It's it, it's it's good. It's also it's also yet another reason to just keep Luke out of this book, basically. i mean yeah and this is truly insane infantino art this three panel thing of him trying to connect with the force
0: i had such trouble parsing what was going on at the bottom of the far left panel in the center here Mm -hmm. until i realized those are his knees uh just under his chin and his thumbs over his knee like i what's going on here it, in terms of his body formation <laughs> makes no sense to me infantino's
1: like the 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 positions people's bodies are in are always nuts he is a real if his
0: th- yeah hold your thumb up against your knee really quick and look at the scale
1: yeah it's wrong luke's hands in this panel are gigantic <laughs> they are gigantic the other thing is where are his fingers? There's not that much space. If you sit here <laughs> like like that.
0: It doesn't work. <clears throat> or his legs have shrunk indomitably. Which maybe they have based on the top right panel. Like his legs are like but flat, basically. Yeah, he's
1: brought them completely up against his chest, which just isn't possible because there's a shape to them. It, it's <laughs> all wrong. It's all wrong. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's so, it's uh. so weird. Uh, and then, and then uh. he just looks... Completely insane in that last.
0: No! Oh, his yeah, pupils are white. He's screaming. He's grown a black mustache for some reason. Luke, um, you didn't eat those mushrooms in the back of the ship, did you? <laughs> Chewie and I were saving those. <laughs> Oh, no, we were running those for somebody. Uh-oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the idea is that, like, Luke tried to open himself up to the Force. He got some kind of vision or some kind of connection went wrong, and now it has completely shut his body down for some reason.
1: Cool idea. It is a cool idea. Um, yeah. the, the the I mean, I do like the, like, especially if we're just between New Hope and Empire. So the idea that we're seeing the sort of trepidatious failures and early first starts of Luke trying to embrace the force because he's still, you know, he doesn't and he doesn't have Obi-Wan to guide him. So, you know, right. th- th- I
0: like this idea. And look, they go into this in uh, a lot of detail in Charles Soul's ongoing that happened in between uh, A New Hope and
1: Amigur. Well, I, I mean, yeah, that's sort of the thing, right? It's like the 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 Charles Soul stuff and the Jason Aaron stuff uh mm-hmm. has you know the benefit right of being able to do a much more polished and detailed version of this because it has all the movies to look back on
0: right so obviously they have the benefit of knowing that luke would go and fight in the gladiatorial arena for a hut with amazing abs (laughs) we'll never forget gracchus the hut never how could you that hut has amazing abs. He's shredded.
1: Yeah, I. you know what I do like? That there are different body types of huts. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so right. next page, we have to figure out what's going on with Luke. How can we get him to a medical facility there's nowhere around that isn't also loyal to the Empire? And just the craziest
1: infantino expressions on Han and Leia throughout this whole page. <sighs>
0: You know what really bugged me the most about... This is just turning into let's rag on Infantino cast. Um,
1: Legendary, very dead comic book artist, (laughs) Carmine Infantino.
0: How long and pointy Leia's fingers are consistently. Yes. Bugged the crap out of me.
1: Well, there's a lot... Something in general. All of his art is very harsh lines, which means all of the body parts as well. Everything is very pointed and jagged. There's not... The rounded sense of a human body, so everything mm-hmm. is pointy, jaggy, and
0: and and just it's very harsh, hard yeah. lines, and huge, and everyone's crazy eyebrows. Look
1: at look at the look at this in the second panel here, Han's gigantic fingers on that door.
0: I'm looking at Leia's like spidery fingers in the third panel, like is- wrapping all the way around a chair, like some kind of horror monster.
1: No, it's just like Leia really is drawn like a villain in this. And Han, I mean, Han looks straight up like a stroke victim. Really? Legitimately in that. <laughs> oh, that's, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's true. I mean, literally like the proportion of his face are wrong. And his the, the left side of his face is slivering off. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> And there's just this weird, the weird canted angle that just has the one chewy eye over in the corner, like. What you? And again, yeah. Uh,
0: we can rag on Infantino's art all day. Yeah. Uh, the point is, we're trying to figure out where to go. Han has some idea.
1: Yeah. Come on. I got an idea. It's gonna. Nobody's a It's gonna
0: be like a smuggler idea, and Leia's yeah. not huge on that.
1: I'm uh never forget he's a criminal, all right. I mean Han Randor. Yeah, well, let's let's you know. He <laughs> let's doesn't, be real. Yeah, yeah, but let's let's be honest here. Han Solo, drug smuggler. Um,
0: right. <laughs> I mean, he just says like a spice smuggler, and spice yeah. is one of the bigger drugs in the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Again, not none of that is established yet, but uh. They ain't running that shit out of Kessel because it is good for the uh, health and well-being of the and galaxy. And also, George Lucas never heard of a book by Frank Herbert, man. What are you talking about? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I don't know okay. what that is. <laughs> Desert Planet and Spice. Yeah, never nah, heard of it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I always love the Frank Herbert thing of, oh, I could sue if I wanted to. I just don't want
0: to. But <laughs> no, but I but would. He, he was a uh, beneficent libertarian, that Frank yeah. Herbert. But
1: I totally could, baby. Uh, <laughs> never forget. Don't step out of line, Lucas. All right. So, yes, they are uh, immediately. Uh-oh, though. They drop out of light speed and <laughs> it's the cops. <laughs> this is
0: the yeah. A I-
1: TIE fighter pilot I've ever seen.
0: Attention freighter! Attention! You are making unauthorized entry into a military containment zone of the Empire. Prepare for immediate boarding and full inspection.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got a forty-one-two uh, down here on the space sector eight. Uh, <laughs> calling for backup.
0: I I find it interesting that this just like random patrol tie fighter is a tie advanced.
1: I know. I also thought that was very strange. It seems like kind again we have.
0: We have very little context for like the differences in TIE fighters.
1: They just have designs, so they're just throwing stuff in that looks interesting. But uh, the fact
0: that, like, it, in the first movie, the only person we see flying the TIE advanced is Darth Vader, correct. which makes it cool and different.
1: Yeah, man. I always, I mean, you know, it, just based on the first movie, we thought that was just like, oh, he just has his own thing. Like, that's just Vader's yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and and, and and obviously
0: we'd get that perfected as the tie interceptor later, but Oh
1: God. So, so badass. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, but I just love the idea of, I don't think I've ever just seen a, like, please pull over to the side of the road. Uh, <laughs> and Han is really mad about this so much so that he is abusing the Millennium Falcon on this next page.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he slams on the console. I'm sure L three is not feeling great about that. Um, <laughs>
1: Goddamn auto navigator which they did establish earlier had been drifting and he did not compensate for that right this is so a real rather than on a road trip energy from han
0: God <laughs> damn Look, the man. map said turn right i'm
1: not gonna ask for directions i know where <laughs> i am we're not lost
0: <laughs> yeah I do love Leia's line here uh, when Han says, we're in the right quadrant, but the wrong sector. And Leia responds, I'd hate to think something that stupid might become my epitaph.
1: Yeah, I mean, once again, I do think uh, uh, Goodwin has a pretty good handle on the voices of these characters.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the banter with Leia and Solo I think is very good uh, Your, your the, worshipfulness, be- your royalness Like those kind of like quips from Han Are constant, only- and Leia being like Oh my god, you're so dumb
1: The only problem is then when matched with the infantine art They seem really mean They're not like a banter yeah. They're like, a, you fucking dummy
0: <laughs> <laughs> You dumb space
1: pirate. Don't you tell me you're so entitled, lady. I'll swear to
0: God. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, thankfully, Han yeah. Solo has a uh, great solution to being pulled over by the cops, and that is blow up the cop car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he just, <laughs> kills <him>. he just <laughs> destroys this guy. Oh. I mean, it's an imp. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, but I just I, I do that. You know what, though? That's very in character. He goes like, oh, I know I had this.
0: But then, like, yeah, Uh, Leia's quick rejoinder is just like, well, that's really wonderful. Except when that TIE fighter doesn't check in, and every Imperial craft in the zone will be looking for him. And us, you idiot.
1: (laughs) But he's like, ah, honey, we're gonna speed the hell out of here, don't you worry. And then, alright, let's turn this next page, because
0: the hell am I looking at here? You're looking at the wreckage of the USVC Nostromo? Um.
1: <laughs> That's kind of what I'm getting at. Is this, does not, this does not feel like a Star Wars ship.
0: Yeah, I think the Wayland yutani uh Wayland Corporation has lost one of their uh merchant vessels. It
1: does feel like that. Yes. It is. I just turned this page I went, whoa, that's out of another franchise. Um because mm-hmm. yeah, this is pretty crazy. Uh this and, and this sets into motion uh, it carries the house of tag markings.
0: Yeah, okay. I wanna talk about this a little I bit. I figured so. you might, yeah. And it's really interesting because I just started uh, reading the newest Doctor Afra series that started up a couple years ago. I haven't. uh, Yeah, the House of Tag is actually very important at the beginning of that (laughs) uh, series as well. Interesting, because it's a thing that is prevalent throughout a lot of Star Wars expanded universe stuff. And honestly, I'm trying to track where it starts, and I think it's here. I think Um, it's got to be. I mean, there's.
1: Because there's almost nothing else it could be from, right? I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, what do we have at this point? The
0: movie and Splinter of the Mind's Eye? Pretty much. So, from A New Hope, we have the... Uh, I, I don't know what his exact rank was on the, the Death Star at that time. But uh, Colonel, maybe? Tag? That's Commander cool. Tag? In my memory, it's Colonel, yeah. Um but least ways he is on the death star in a new hope as like one of the guys being like, nothing will stop this battle station. And Vader going, I find your lack of faith, disturbing chokes him out a little bit. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Having, his name is never said in the movie. I think his name is said in a deleted scene, and that's about it.
1: I think that is. And boy, that was an early case of that being the case for almost anything in Star Wars. Well, their name isn't said in the thing, but.
0: Right. But, uh, the House of Tag becomes this whole thing as a, like, bourgeois kind of, like, incredibly influential and a filthy rich uh, group of dynastic old money in the empire that is like a thing throughout the expanded universe and honestly it starts here with the house of tag mentioning in this comic book uh i do like the idea but i
1: like the sort of aristocratic yeah bourgeois nature of like oh they're a family with influence in this world
0: yeah, and that is kind of their whole thing. It's like if you need a rich asshole in Star Wars, why not make him a tag.
1: Yeah. But it's like that 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 is a a thing that um I think one of the one of the things that particularly and and you know, alarm bells are going off as a but like something I know the complaints specifically about things like the sequels are the world feels really small when it feels like everyone's a Skywalker or a Palpatine now, right? So I do like things like House of Tags. It makes the world feel like, oh, there's like a whole family with lineage that's part of this universe and stuff like this. Later, we'll get to another aspect of this I like uh, when we get to the casino. And it's like, oh, here's like another thing that is sort of like in the middle of stuff where it's like, we're going to be cool with the Empire, but not exactly there and just sort of let it slide. I always love when... One of my favorite things in—I'll say a nice thing about the see, one of my favorite things in the in Last Jedi is when they get on the weapons dealership and they go, "Oh, he's selling Tie Fighters and X Wings," because there are also just people who aren't on either side and just going, "I'll just profit off the war." Like I just like things right. that make the world feel bigger like that, and so this idea that like, oh yeah, there's like a family with its own lineage that is seeded through all this stuff too that isn't has anything to do with our main characters necessarily.
0: Right and and one of the their characters just happens to be a nepo baby who became a general in the empire. Right.
1: Yeah, that further adds to and also that's so perfect for that like table of fancy influential guys is a guy who's just here because he's a tag.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's the guy that and he that's me. the guy that <laughs> v-
1: Yeah, Vader chokes out. <laughs> you know people are like, "Hey, you know that douchebag tag?" Vader totally choked him mm-hmm. out in meeting, you know, like that kind of stuff. That I just like, I, I, I like the world feeling alive on the fringes of the story. So, I do like that, I, and t- but I, I, I didn't know they had such crazy looking chips. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: and multi Oh, actually, no,
0: it was, uh, sorry, I always confuse Modi and Tag. Modi's the one who gets choked out. Tag oh. is the one who's arguing with him. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense then. Both of them unnamed in the movie. Yeah. Uh but they're the two who are like arguing back and forth and then Vader comes in and is like, shut the fuck up. I
1: mean it is like you always confuse them because they might as well be the same guy. Like that it, that that yeah. that table of people is all meant to just sort of be a singular entity kind of right.
0: They're all uh in the expanded universe, uh General Tag specifically is usually survives the Death Star. Like he gets off before it blows up. Mm-hmm. Um and that's a big thing later in the more recent Marvel comics as well. As Tag is still around yes. after the explosion is, of the Death Star.
1: That is where I feel like I've encountered him the most is in the comics uh, of of late. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so they find this and they're like, "Oh man, it's a destroyed uh, House a Tag ship. That's gonna be a uh, that's gonna be bad." And they find a guy in the wreckage in Rebel armor. I guess whatever that means. Yeah, it's like oh god, talk about a mess. Look at Joey's hand on the second to last panel here.
0: Yeah, he's got a and weird monster hand claw. He's got exactly what would be labeled as monster hand in party city for like big rubber gloves. Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't see any official logo on this. It just says monster hand.
0: Um <laughs> And it's free. I know. Uh, the, yeah. it's. It, it, I do like that they call the guy they find a floater. I found that a little like, funny and gross. Yeah, a
1: floater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, man. The implication, there's a term for it. Because that is always the thing. It's like, yeah, there'd be bodies in that wreckage, man.
0: Yeah, and... This is the thing. They find this derelict ship. It's a merchant ship, uh, not associated with the Rebellion or the Empire, but it definitely seems to them like the Empire blew this up, except they find a guy in rebel armor. And so on the next page, they bring this guy inside and it seems like the Empire blew up this ship, but scattered evidence to make it seem like the rebels did it inside this like imperial containment zone.
1: Which I do like the idea about just like, well, they're not being enough a terrorist for us to warrant this, so let's do some stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, and we know... No, that's
0: why we say, like, when this is, like, a cool Star Wars story hook, like, this is totally, like, a shitty thing the Empire would do, right? It's like doing a false flag operation to gin up support against the Rebellion, even when the Rebellion's not being this big of an asshole.
1: Right. I mean, we're, you know, very real world, we're seeing that right now. There's stuff in, uh, over in Russia that's been like this, right? Where it's like, 100%. 100%. You might have blown up your own thing there,
0: pal. <laughs> right. Oh No, no uh, not but, at all. <laughs> uh, we get a brief conversation with uh, Beardy McBeardface, this rebel they pull on board. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, and he gives them the down low of just like, they wanted it to look like a rebel raid. We were prisoners dick taken during fighting in another system. We were brought here and we were just thrown out into space. It's like, wow, that's some evil empire shit right that there. That
1: is really messed up. Yeah, that is very disturbing concept. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they're like, uh, yeah, uh, this, is, this is really bad. Like, we, because uh, th- also the other thing about this that's interesting, and they don't bring this up specifically, but it is sort of a thing, right, is this kind of could undo some of the uh, Death Star victory, right?
0: Yeah, it's if you like- suddenly turn around and...
1: If it looks like they're just going up random shit for no reason.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's always been a fun thing to play with with the Empire in terms of telling stories set in this period of Star Wars is how does the Empire spin itself as being a good thing? Because objectively, from a viewer's point of view, Empire bad. But how do all of the citizens who exist within that universe justify their existence under a guy who is clearly an evil robe Sith wizard as the emperor. <laughs> I know it
1: just does uh, it does seem like when a guy's like it, it, does he do addresses where he's like, night people
0: And you're just like, Yeah, that's yes. that's my guy right there we recently in Bad Batch had a scene that took place in the Senate where the emperor addresses the Senate and saying, and now begins the age of the Imperial Stormtrooper," And it's like, wow, that's evil. And it is one of those things where you go like, and people are like,
1: yeah, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, because in the, con- in the context of that show, it's become like a really, really poignant, uh, uh, one of the themes of the show is about how veterans are discarded after they're used up. And the, like, that's the whole like arc of the show. Right. Um, yeah. I've, is ooh. like how the clones are discarded after the clone wars.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. And that's, and, but it's just, it is just so it's just like, yeah, I'm a Palpatine voter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't talk to my dad anymore. He voted for Palpatine. <laughs> I just I just really like the tax policy. That's all it is. I'm not on board.
0: look. The empire's about law and order and security. And if you are well, how can you not support that?
1: I just we can't have these rebels running around, man. That's crime. Uh <laughs> mhm mhm <laughs> Um, anyway, no. speaking of
0: crime, uh, we suddenly have a light cruiser show up, and uh, this is even bigger. Cops, attention, freighter! Yeah. Your presence here places you under a suspicion of piracy and/or acts of rebellion. Ha- uh, heave to instantly, or we will open fire.
1: I do love it. At some point, they they hit on the term rebel, and so it is like, oh shit, we're gonna charge this guy with acts of
0: rebellion. That's right. I just like that they use the term heave-to, which is a sailing term. Heave-to, yeah, that is. Heave-to, which is the
1: pull over to the side of the road, pal. <laughs> in space.
0: You better slow that ship down, man. We clocked you doing yeah. 90 out here. Uh, but thankfully, the Falcon still has a few tricks left in her sweetheart oh. and is starting to fly away. Oh, it wooms out of there. Mm-hmm. I do love a good womb.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kojak himself, Telly Savalas joins the cast.
0: <laughs> commander Strom. Yeah uh, I do like who it. is our Imperial commander aboard this light fr- uh I, I, I as we were Star Star. About,
1: here's a new villain for this comic that actually feels of the universe. It's not a crimson jack or some totally insane Flash Gordon. Rip off, or something like that, you know. It's like, oh no, it's just, I mean, Star Wars has been a lot of the expanded universe and stuff, is that right? It's just like, no, there's like a lot of imperial bad guys around,
0: yeah. Like, look, you always need a stuffy space Nazi in a uniform to say, open fire, of
1: course, man.
0: <laughs> and I mean, you know, the Empire's gigantic, there'd be a million of these guys. 100%. And every single Star Wars movie has given us one of these stuffed shirts that says open fire. And giving that guy a little bit more character and making him more of a bad guy is something that Star Wars comics have done, honestly, since right now. The well, the issue we're reading. The thing that's great about it is
1: this guy is just one of a whole mass of people within the Empire. But for right now, mm-hmm. he is the antagonist against our heroes. So at right. the moment, he is a real deal main villain, when in reality, he's like middle management.
0: Right, exactly. He is in charge of this little small sector of space, mm-hmm. but because he is the king of his own little anthill, he feels like the most evil person present in that moment.
1: And it's the same, it's it's the thing I love uh, on Andor, right, is like what happens is when somebody like this comes through, then it becomes a just like, oh no, I'm more determined to get this guy than maybe other upper brass because he came to my sector and caused shit mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's all I also like about that
0: because uh, on the next page we have them uh, flying away but Commander Strom is like we've got TIE fighters out here they're in a, a, a detention zone we're gonna get these assholes uh, <laughs> but oh. turns out it's Han Solo motherfuckers yeah <laughs> uh
1: that that's by the way that's the title of my rejected expanded universe novel uh, it's han solo motherfuckers they said (laughs) no
0: i'd i'd watch that
1: oh yeah (laughs) disney uh so uh yeah i do like the growling of the tie fighter because they do kind of growl yeah yeah that i always like that the ships of the empire sound
0: evil Mm-hmm. I also like that Han calls out, like, these are these new improved TIE Fighters that <laughs> apparently this guy's got a bunch of the Vader oh, ones. God. They got the new batch. <laughs> they what got the they Ferrari like? of TIE
1: Fighters. Yeah, just... <laughs> ah, crap. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen
0: these. They're the new models. I was just reading about them. Um uh, we do have a little bit of, like, comic book time slowing down when the guy aboard the Star Destroyer Bridge has time to say, That freighter's maneuvering like a fighter, Commander Strom, and it's left the TIE Fighters firing at each other. Yeah,
1: uh, that guy's face is insane,
0: too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going on with his jaw? Like, where does it stop? His face. It feels like somebody took a human face and stretched
1: it out. Like, it's just his plastic man, Oh, red, yeah. Oh. terrifying and not on purpose um so yeah (laughs) so they're uh they yeah han solo and han solo is loving it based on that image in the last panel oh yeah baby
0: oh i mean han solo always loves goofing (laughs) on some people who are trying to get the better of him
1: but here we go folks we were we just left the nostromo and now we've entered stanley kubrick's
0: 2001 I mean, for real, because like, yeah. yeah, their their destination is inside. It turns out their destination is the wheel.
1: They worked so hard on that name. So hard on that name.
0: I love simple, like elegant names for like big, impressive things. Like I, one of my favorite examples is the giant space station that S.W.O.R.D. has in Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, just called The Peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think there They're is rap. a an elegance to that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, So yeah. No. Did they work hard on it? No. It's a big thing that looks like a wheel, and they called it the wheel. But the fact that it is the thing that you can just call the wheel, and people know what you're talking about, kind of like helps improve the gravitas of the situation sometimes.
1: And it's what is this is like a like a community? It's like a it's like a floating city, right?
0: I mean, we'll get into exactly what the wheel is, but it's a lot of things. Mostly, it is Tortuga. It is like the place you can go in the galaxy where everything is legal. It's all kind of centered around uh, betting and uh, odds making and gambling of one stripe or another. But it is like a place where if you get in the hole, you're never getting out alive.
1: Right. And yes, exactly. And the the Empire just kind of is like cool with it because they like get their cut or whatever, sort of the...
0: Yeah, the attitude. They uh, I here. do love the caption here along with the art because, yeah, it does look like something out of 2001. Oh, yeah. And the caption says, its size makes it appear closer than it is, but the wheel's reputation does not rest on its size. There are other constructions in the galaxy larger, more awesome. The wheel is a monument, a monument to pleasure, to risk, to greed, and to those with the need or the desperation it also is a monument to life and
1: death i mean the thing that, the thing that i like about this uh versus the weird nostromo looking uh house of tag uh uh thing is this is they they make a point of going this is an oddity within star wars this doesn't look like yeah. a star wars structure and they're going yeah it is this weird thing that's its own unique entity
0: yeah no and i personally really like it um and we'll get into more of what's in there in later issues, because right now we just have the one M Falcon flying in. Meanwhile, Leia's going, my father fought the building of this place when he was a senator. It is degrading. It's barbaric. It's, and Han cuts in. Uh, He says, it's the, that u- it's the ultimate gambling
1: palace princess. The stakes are high, but most galactic citizens wouldn't have it any other way. I do sort of like like, the idea of, like, from her perspective, this place is awful, and then scoundrel Han Solo is like, oh, yeah, it's pretty sweet.
0: And this is why I think we're, like, setting up a good Star Wars story, because we're getting that dichotomy of something that made Star Wars so unique to begin with, which is this lived-in, kind of dirty space setting that really wasn't a thing prior to Star Wars or at least not as like done as polished, right?
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> I I also love the idea of Bail Organa being like you can't build that. I mean, no <laughs> we can't we we can't have that here, okay? We just can't.
0: Yeah. In this neighborhood? Yeah. What will the HOA say? <laughs> <laughs> we
1: have got kids here. You want to build it where? That's right near a school. <laughs>
0: Uh, unfortunately we're gonna find out exactly like the legitimacy of this place because yeah we have our tie fighter pilots being like uh commander strom he he he, he called home free he got he got to base we're not allowed to tag I, him anymore I do <laughs> like that
1: idea that it is just sort of like uh, a no man's land uh, and there and it's just like we specifically said we wouldn't send stormtroopers in there man like it's uh They call it
0: the Wheels Immunity Sphere. This is like, this is where the Empire doesn't touch.
1: This is international waters, man. Uh, Basically. I do like Han just speeding into this thing, and the guy's like, Oh, excuse me! You can't park here!
0: This is a reserved bay. Though, Commander Strom's, like, response is basically setting up what's going to be one of the big conflicts going forward, which is, the Wheel sanctuary is courtesy of the Empire. As the Empire's chief pres- chief representative in the sector, I elect, we withdraw that courtesy.
1: Yeah, he's basically just unilaterally going, like, no, man, screw him. I'm sending people in. And if they don't get yeah, no. tough.
0: Mm-hmm. What are you going to do, fight the Empire? Yeah.
1: You can't fight. What are you going
0: to do? Rebel? Who does
1: that? (laughs) You know how we feel about rebellions. I think we've made it pretty clear.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, they fly in and, uh, yeah, we've got this guy saying, hey, you can't park here. This is a reserved uh, docking bay. Get out of here. Meanwhile, Han's like, screw it. We got to (laughs) park.
1: On top of all the other crimes, Han's got a ticket for a no parking zone.
0: As we all know, John, a parking ticket isn't necessarily a violation of done something wrong. It's just how much you're willing to pay to park there. <laughs>
1: exactly. So yeah. So they 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 speed in here. Uh, th- the guy died. The rebel guy they found. He did. Yeah, forget. Beardy
0: McBeardface died.
1: <laughs> and Hans like whatever. He's not in the opening titles. Come on. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he didn't even have a character name.
1: Of course he died. <laughs> <laughs> and so they rush off. Uh, and and I guess Uh, guess the idea is they're just going to get lost in the hustle and bustle of the wheel, right?
0: Well, specifically, also, they're splitting up. Chewie's taking the dead body to go hide the dead body. (laughs) Uh, Han and Leia are just going to go hide. Meanwhile, the droids need to take Luke's unconscious body to try to find the hospital.
1: Yes. Uh, I do like the idea of, like, they already got me on a parking infraction. They can't find a body on this ship. (laughs) I can't explain spe- it.
0: Specifically, Han is like, "Look, Leia, you're the leader of the rebellion. We need to get you out of here because there's no end of people who will sell you out on the space it's station." The real,
1: <laughs> I, I've got to bust out a buffed out of Barney Stinson line for Han here. You're making me the voice of reason, and that is not a good look on me. <laughs> exactly. That is the thing. It was like, oh, all of a sudden, Han's making sense. That's not good for anybody. Um, yeah.
0: The caption at the bottom of the page is even though it's hard to admit Leia Organa find Han Solo's words make sense, which I, that is terrifying.
1: I also <laughs> love the idea that she is just so used to anything. that comes out of that guy's mouth is like, no, nah, that's wrong. I can't, I can't. <laughs> no, my instinct is to oh, go, you idiot. <laughs> so yeah. So they rush out here. Uh, let's go to the next page and talk about, Oh man, I want to talk about some handling of guns here. Because this, number one, the body of this stormtrooper, and two, the way he is holding this gun to this guy's head is nuts.
0: Okay, so for those who aren't watching along with us at home, on the right side of this panel, we have a guy who has... Uh, We have a stormtrooper who has the docking administrator in a chokehold with one arm. Meanwhile, he is holding the gun out in front of him so that the gun is pointed at the guy he has a chokehold on, but the gun is also pointed through the guy he has a chokehold on back at himself, which is maybe the worst way to hold a gun to somebody's head.
1: He's not holding it like up against the side of his head. He's holding it like this, which is...
0: Towards the front of his face. Yeah, Yeah. like he's, he's
1: turned his arm around it so that he's pointing it. It is insane and I have no idea why you would draw this like that it's just so weird
0: it's before I could get a grip on the perspective here I thought it was just a very tiny gun
1: (laughs) this was my. I I lost my rifle so this is this is my backup that I keep in an ankle holster uh this is my derringer blaster (laughs) this is should anyone accuse me of cheating at cards gun um
0: (laughs) I got it it's so weird uh, ah, uh, so yeah, we have stormtroopers busting into the wheel, trying to find the people who got off of this freighter. Yeah. So as they're like going through and starting to uh, basically lock this place down, we cut away to our other primary antagonist oh. in this storyline.
1: Oh, and this guy is so seventies. I mean, the collar man. The call. He he's he's go- he's reaching a Doctor Strange or Adam Warlock
0: level of collar here he might as well have Ming the Merciless on speed dial as his fashion consultant. He he really is in that vein. Uh, And he's here (laughs) watching,
1: what is this, some kind of hollow feed of the gladiator pits? Because yeah, there are gladiator pits
0: on this place. Oh, 100%. And yeah, pretty soon in the next, a couple of issues. We'll get into just how messed up the gladiator pits are. But we are introduced to Senator Grey Shade, who is the administrator on minute. the wheel. Is he some sort
1: of uh I don't know, morally dubious character named Grey Shade? Is that what you are saying
0: <laughs> You might even say, yeah. He like someone named Grey Shade maybe splits the difference between difficult moralities in a galaxy at war.
1: This is this is where this is pretty lazy. Yeah. You guys <laughs> taking another look at that. Nope.
0: Well, look, when you have a space Nazi named Strom, which is like one letter yeah. flop away from Storm. I I mean when I
1: first read it, I went, Storm? And I went, Oh, I see what they've done here, but I, just upon like the first glance, I thought his name was Storm. I'm like, boy, that's pretty oh okay. All right, I guess you you got me in a technicality marvel. <laughs>
0: But yeah, Gray Shade yeah. is like, okay, if you know anything about literary symbolism, this is so on the nose. It's not even funny. It's almost
1: like he exists in shades of gray. Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, once again, I like the character. The name is dumb, but I do like the a guy who's just like, I play the game of the, you know, I give the Empire what they need and they'll just leave me alone to do my own nefarious shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, and we are also introduced to his robot sidekick, which is something straight out of Metropolis. Very Metropolis. Uh, yeah, an entity known as Mastercom. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's cool. I like him.
0: Yeah, we'll get into him and his weird computer nipples uh, here on the next page because he's <laughs> got. <sighs> I don't know how they're coding this character, I really don't, because he is a droid, Uh but he is also the master computer of the wheel, and to do anything, like, technical, he has to salaciously touch his finely molded metal pecs as though he is caressing his own robot nipples. (laughs) It's weird.
1: (laughs) Done, sir. He's on his cruiser at the, oh, Imperial Dark, that's the stuff.
0: And his face is molded like he has this like oh. kind of hedonism bot expression on his face. <laughs>
1: oh I used to imagine just in the back you see him going, "Oh, oh yeah, stuff. Hey, hey
0: <laughs>
1: gray shade is there Anything you need me to look
0: up? <laughs> <laughs> Any systems I can access) yeah. <laughs>
1: And I end up with the pervy robot.
0: Oh, you know he built with a pervy <laughs> robot.
1: It's it's great. He's gonna be a total perv. <laughs> I thought it would be
0: funny. Now it's weird. Uh so we get some info from MasterCom that the Uh, unregistered ship has landed in the wheel and that fugitives have fled and then stormtroopers have followed them in. So we get this conversation between Grayshade and Strom where they're just like, what the hell are you doing on the wheel? And I like Strom's rejoinder here, which is just to kill rebels. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What am I always trying to do? Kill some
1: rebels. My rebel kill quotient is down. Uh, I'm not meeting.
0: We're near the end of the month. I gotta get my quota in.
1: You know, I'm trying to get that bonus. (laughs) If I do like the idea of the commander who kills the most rebels gets a bonus,
0: (laughs) we work on commission.
1: Please tell me it's not another Dave and Buster's gift card. Um,
0: Oh, Olive Garden! You know when you were there, your family (laughs) unlimited breadsticks. You say just one unlimited breadsticks. (laughs) That's right.
1: It was that was actually that was a mandate. You shall have unlimited breadsticks. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, not all of his policies are terrible. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Chief Palpatine. Oh, old Sheev. He and I go way back. Old <laughs> Sheev. Uh, so I do like... Uh, but yes,
0: it's- this is where we get the explanation that, like, look, the Empire's always left the wheel alone because the wheel gives the Empire a ton of uh, kickbacks. Yeah,
1: totally, man. Like, I mean, it's... it's. I do like this also as well, where it's like, yeah, we're like, uh, you know, it's any kind of gambling thing, right? Where it's just like, yeah, we're taking desperate people's money, and you're getting a cut of that. So it's yet another way that they're, like, screwing the people of Star Wars.
0: Mhm. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and but at the same time Strom is like, don't care, must kill rebels.
1: When I like his suggestion about like maybe just wait for them to leave here and then kill them? Mm-hmm.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Strom comes back. Perhaps you'll change your song gray shade when you learn these rebels plundered and destroyed a house of tag merchantship, one delivering a wheel profit to your inner systems bank. <laughs>
1: Man, he, the, uh, on the next page here, there's a real Lex Luthory like, mm, look on
0: Oh, yeah. Did it real good. <laughs> Though he's also got some Dune eyebrows going oh, on. Oh, yeah, is...
1: yeah. 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 This guy is, uh, is just, he wishes he was in house Harkonnen. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, th- this is like one of the, uh, the Baron's great, great, great nephews got, that we don't he's ever hear got about.
1: That vibe for sure.
0: Mm hmm. So uh, yeah, so yes, uh, Gray Shade comes back with just like, well, why didn't you say so? If these rebels destroyed my money, go ahead, go kill them. Whoa, 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 whoa! They kept money out of my pocket. Fuck them. And of course, this is uh, Strom lying and saying like, "Yeah, what's the rebels who destroyed all of your uh, profits?
1: That uh, happened, yeah, you, bastards. Am I right? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You know what? I also well, do love." uh Here, Greyshade says, like, okay, look, I want one alive for questioning. And Strom, like, ends the communication with Greyshade, turns to his officers and says, like, okay, get our troopers out there. But see that the transmissions is garbled, particularly that business about one alive for questioning. That's some good evil right there. (laughs) Mm,
1: That's good evil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not bad.
1: That's not bad villainy.
0: Uh, yeah. Wow. So we've got this whole like web of machinations set up at the beginning of this story where it's like, okay, our antagonists are chasing the rebels, but they're also trying to screw each other over. Yeah. And the rebels have all split up. Like this is the start of a good story. I
1: will say that is, that is like the, the, I'm surprised at the, the, the fact that there's like one level deeper of villains with separate machinations against each other. It's like, wow, we haven't seen that kind of, that's, I mean, that's not like incredibly sophisticated, but for 70s Star Wars comics, it's very sophisticated.
0: I mean, look, we wouldn't even get to that in the movies until Return of the Jedi. Yeah, this is true. So, meanwhile, 3- 3PO is carrying Luke. Yeah. And then he's so, like running away with him. How fast do you think 3PO could move under the weight of a full-grown human? I mean, without carrying anything, he's pretty slow. <laughs>
1: You ever see, would you ever see him do anything but like a, a light shuffle? I mean, really, you know?
0: You, you, oh, you don't remember that deleted scene where three uh, PO was pole vaulting in uh, Empire? a known fact, R two,
1: I used to run track.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, R two would be actually be great at the discus. He just get his little gripper arm and then he spin his body around a lot and
1: yeah. Oh man, can we get? Can I just get? By the way, here's another pitch. Just give me like an animated short, Droid Olympics. I'm I'm there
0: for it, man. So there was an old game by Lucas Arts back in the day for the PC called Droids. Yeah, where you were literally just building droids to do like Rube Goldbergian tasks. Kind of, um, yeah. It was basically the Droid Olympics, and I spent so many hours in that game. <laughs> I
1: never had it. I just remember it existing. <laughs> Um uh, but yeah, that, <laughs> all the droid stuff is crazy. The droid cartoons and stuff like that.
0: Oh, we'll get to the droid comic here, Yeah, 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 uh, That is something that is in the pipeline. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, there,
1: <laughs> this, like, also the, like, quick head turn on 3PO with Where he's like,
0: what?! Yeah, because R2 has jacked into the systems and they're looking for the hospital. But uh oh, it turns out the stormtroopers are here with the tiniest gun you could have on a stormtrooper. I keep
1: telling you, I lost my main gun. It's a backup. (laughs)
0: And he's holding it weird and like his elbows crooked, and it's like you don't hold guns. Like
1: that. Uh, not to plug our pagan content, but if you do listen to our Vincent Price show, we talk about how uh, ill fitting a gun is in the hand of Vincent Price, and it always looks good. oh, yeah, where he's always just like, Let me aim this pistol here, there it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, 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 you're like a poisoner, that's that's like a Vincent Price killing. Um, so yeah, uh, and he does give the order to vaporize them.
0: Yeah, on the last page here, we get a weird-looking stormtrooper sec. Vaporize them!
1: Real weird-looking stormtrooper, weird-looking helmet, and weird little, like, point-back? Vaporize them! Those two over there.
0: Those uh, over-the-shoulder pointing, <laughs> those two.
1: Yeah. Did you get catch it? Do you need me to point more clearly? Yeah, we got it.
0: Uh yeah. And so uh, we cut back to Grey Shade being uh, and Mastercom. Mastercom being like, Shall I intercede in any way, Senator Greyshade? Because they're watching all of this on comms. Somebody. Please ask me to intercede. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah. But Greyshade for two droids and an apparently dying boy, not worth the effort, MasterCom. But look at this other rebel we've got elsewhere. Check out this haughty. Am I right? Yeah, okay. This is where we get into why Grey Shade gets real gross real oh, quick. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Because Master asks, asked, you recognize her, sir?
1: Oh. Grey Shade comes do, back. Master Com, Princess Leia Organa, loveliest of my adversaries in the Senate. Yes, I rank the senators by hotness
0: he would uh yeah and so he's uh uh, oh that's something we didn't actually bring up in this comic is like they keep calling him senator grayshade yeah which apparently implies that like he was a senator for just this huge gambling den and they had their own representation (laughs) in the imperial senate
1: or he's one of the he's i feel like he's also one of those guys who was in the senate briefly but makes everyone still
0: call him senator I mean, he specifically says that in this book. Uh, we skipped over it, but like, they address the fact that the empire has dissolved the Senate. But this guy insists that everyone still call him. Senator. I'm
1: fascinated by that. People do that, like in real life. You see that where people are like, it's like that guy was a senator twenty years ago. It's like, nope, once a senator, always a senator. I'm like, oh come on,
0: right? No, I and believe- this guy's just. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get this guy perving on Leia a little bit, and oh. that's the end of this yeah. issue, because next issue is The Ultimate Gamble.
1: Uh, I will always say they they, they often overstate the, the titles of those.
0: <laughs> just a little, John, yeah. just a it little. Really
1: always, it's just like, I think this is pretty good, but still it's like The Ultimate Gamble. All right. So, yeah, there that was issue 18, man. I mean, yeah, pretty good for the
0: most part. Uh, some weird art choices. I, this is the most promising start to a story arc we've had thus far in this comic book run. Yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, it, it doesn't feel too Flash gordon It feels very, like, grounded in the Star Wars that we know. And again, even despite the fact that they're really only working with, like, shooting scripts and maybe some of the world Bible stuff that Lucas had laid down right. and, like... The fact that this is like already solidifying is just like I could absolutely see this being a expanded universe like novel or something that would come twenty years later I mean, and easily slot in. It, it, it is sad that
1: we are so happy that it's just like oh, it just seems like a Star Wars story. The fact that it feels like Star Wars is such faint praise, but it's it we haven't we haven't really had that.
0: This isn't Magnificent Seven with Godzilla at the end. Right. This isn't Waterworld with the weird plesiosaur riders. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 we're yeah. Firmly back in Star Wars. Right. And the fact that we can. Seems like it's. You're like, smells like a Star Wars story. Uh. Quacks like a Star Wars story. Walks like a Star Wars story. <laughs>
1: uh, it, it, it did walk like a Star Wars story, distinctly.
0: Yeah. Uh, well yeah so uh look there's still plenty of time for this to go absolutely off the rails yeah
1: man if there's one thing we know they can tank any good idea in this comic
0: I I look forward to finding out that Commander Strom is like a werewolf or something
1: you know what (laughs) actually that would make that better though so uh, I (laughs) hope that happens uh so yeah. no
0: under the light of the full moon out in space hey, I'm still waiting
1: for the cyborg guy who tore his face off to come back so you know um, oh valance we'll get more of oh, valance, i know I'm we sure. will but i just oh god i want it i want that uh so yeah the the <laughs> that's that's uh that's issue 18 uh of course uh we want to point people towards the patron page Mm -hmm. patreon.podbean.com slash punch-up where you can get cool exclusive bonus content from all of our shows here on the Punch-Up Entertainment Network.
0: Yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to some of the stuff we've got in the pipeline for that. Um, We have uh, all sorts of stuff over on the Patreon page that uh, helps support all of the shows on the Punch-Up Entertainment Network, including the one you're listening to right now, as well as Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters, Material Components, The Action Shelf, all that good, good content.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, of course, as always, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, uh, because uh, that really helps. what should people? We want to let people know what... Uh, we, we certainly always want people to chime in about their thoughts about the comics.
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Imperial Senate and how it was dissolved by the Empire in a unilateral move to consolidate power? Do you think it's fair that people who were senators not even six months ago can still call themselves senators despite the dissolution of this galactic government? I would say no, but I leave it to you, our capable <laughs> listeners, in the comments below. Let's
1: have a very respectful debate. About <laughs> uh, politics.
0: Nothing that bad. Yeah, in YouTube politics. comments. Base politics. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, so that I think though that's going to do it for this episode.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, and as always, I have been Mike Ergoni. I'm John Campbell. And please, may the panel be with you.